Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers. This is podcast number 297. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sherland, Texas. So grab globes, put it around, bang! Not sure where you ended up, but find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, And that is where we are. <clears throat> you know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey. I get encouraged with the word pastors, but what really helps me is talking with regular guys, spiritual guys that are out there slugging it out, meeting challenges just like me. And that's why we're here. And we're on this No Church Answers tour. And so we're so glad that you've joined us. This time I'm going to go ahead and introduce the panel. He is a former world-class policy writer, a current professional gambler, the show producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Yo, all right, Steve. Hey. He's a former prosecutor. He is an attorney, kind of a group historian. We call him the judge. It's Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. I'm uh, Robert. And out on location, he is a corporate trainer, kind of the group theologian. We call him the professor from Iowa. It's Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. Robert. Hey, professor. <laughs> and my name is Bill Cox. Basically, I'm a salesman and the director. And real quick, we are in Limping with God, Jacob and the Old Testament Guide to a Messy Discipleship. It's a great book by Chad Bird that we've been going through. But before we get to that, I want to jump up real quick to our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Yes. Hi, thanks. We're going to uh, we're going to discuss a bit of a current events as we do from time to time. About two weeks ago, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, right now the largest Protestant denomination in the country, um, had its annual meeting. It made the news. Um, there were some some developments there i'm going to be snarky and and simply state it like this uh first first uh the sbc leaders made a list of the type of people who are not qualified to be congregational pastors teachers or leaders and this list pretty much includes half the world's population uh, you may have heard they have said and reaffirmed there is no place for women as pastors or teachers or leaders in a southern baptist denominational church and basically to make that point they followed up and disassociated uh the saddleback church which was one of their largest but has a woman as a senior pastor now second that wasn't all second uh the sbc leaders whose their denomination is still recovering from a massive sex abuse scandal they actually entertain serious proposals to limit the sharing of information about pastors who are known to being abusing, promised a big cleaning of house, and now we have uh, members who simply don't want to do it anymore. Um, and then they adjourned for lunch where they all expressed extreme bewilderment as to why the SBC is losing members at such an alarming rate. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> professor pastor friend of mine said the problem with the conservatives was they got so wrapped up in their power struggle that they killed the goose with that laid the golden egg. 
and all because somebody wanted to have power. So now they've gone down the rabbit hole and they actually, I, I'm going to just say this. If you are a Southern Baptist, go read what Baptists have traditionally believed. But for you as a Southern Baptist group to take a stand that says women can't be pastors or do anything else, despite biblical history that shows Deborah in the Old Testament is a leader. You know, Paul saying, yeah, Paul does say in certain areas, women can't preach. But guess what? He also talks about a deaconess in the Bible. Last I checked, deaconess applied to women, not men. And by the way, that you even, even hesitated to talk about not sharing information. I'm sorry. I was a Southern Baptist youth minister in the 90s. And you know what the number one rule was? If something happened, we didn't hide it. We didn't talk about it. We called the, the authorities and it got reported. And if you called a church and someone had violated one of those principles, you told the church church committee that was there, do not touch him with a hundred foot pole. We had reasons. And, and if it never got charged and never got proven, it could simply be, I would not ever hire him again to work in a church. But the fact that this group has tried to put their power over and above anything else and everything else truly tells me they're ready to eat their own. By the way, I'm going to mention, and every one of us can say it, so everybody, there's no misunderstanding. Our church, Church of Land Baptist Church, is not affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. Next. Uh, <laughs> Michael Cropper. Yeah, okay. That, that, folks, this reminds me of a situation in the New Testament. Um, SBC is saying that women should not be in pastor positions. I, I, it, I'm not sure if that's the, the, the exact thing that they're griping about, or they just don't want you to call a woman a pastor. But this reminds me of, uh, of Simon Peter when he preaches to the Gentiles and he eats unkosher food. Uh, in the house of uh, Cornelius, the centurion. By the way, the Holy Spirit talks to Simon Peter at the same time and gives him a vision, says, if you eat uncommon things or things that are not kosher, and the God blesses it, it's not unkosher, and it's not uncommon, it's clean. Right at the same time, so these men arrive and, and, and call Simon Peter and bring him to Cornelius' house. So Simon Peter brings some of the brethren from the Jewish church. And by the way, all the people at this time, people, all the Christians are Jewish. Okay, so Simon Peter goes to Cornelius, at least to our knowledge. He goes to Cornelius's house and Cornelius asks him what he has to say. And he tells him about Jesus uh, being the Messiah and being put to death and then raised from the dead. And while he's speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on everybody in Cornelius' house. Okay. All of them speak in tongues. They get the power of the Holy Spirit, and Peter takes them outside, and they get baptized. Now, he stays with them a couple of days. Then he returns to Jerusalem, to the church in Jerusalem. And we could call them SBC, okay? Because they come and confront Peter, and they say, what is this about you going into a Gentile's house and preaching the gospel, which was meant for the Jews? And then you ate with them as well. What is what is your problem? What do you have to say to that? And Peter relates everything that happened through the Holy Spirit, the vision he had, Cornelius had, and how all the people 
he said, when I started preaching about Jesus, they, the, the Holy Spirit fell on them and they spoke with tongues. And the people said, oh, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we should evolve our belief in God and who he is reaching with the gospel. And that's what I, that, that reminds me of SBC. Maybe they need to evolve a little bit. I, I uh, no no. Can I pick up on that thought? Sure. Oh, yeah, I, go ahead. Steve, I, go I ahead. want to because that's where that's exactly the issue here. Because this isn't about like some strict reading of scripture or interpretation. This is exactly about what Robert said: uh, power and fear. And what you see at the SBC now, and and really this is this is the challenge to the to the to the church in general, and certainly to bap other Baptist denominations sbc is not the only baptist denomination there's texas baptists of course there are other denominations that go across the northern part of the country that are far less conservative but for all christians first of all there's got to be a way to push back against this um and yes the realization is not to be frightened the sbc and i'm calling them out right now they are a group <laughs> of old conservative white men who are terrified when they look out and see what's happening in the church they're the ones who are putting out the the articles of the church is shrinking the church membership is down no church membership is down in the united states and in western europe white people are not going to church there are plenty of People from the geographic South, Mexico, South America, Africa, Asia, they are the vibrant future of the Christian church. And they're going to bring in, are bringing in, a whole new attitude, a, a whole new approach, a whole new way of thinking that is different from this, the Western canon that we're steeped in, that we're, we're really, that our, our psychology is, is built around. It's very hard. And it's time, it's getting time for our, our version, our shape of our faith to leave the stage. So stop holding on like it's uh, like the Pharisees. They were completely clueless about the change that was happening. So I, I'm, well, even, I'm even, passionate here, but that's that's what's happening. So I'm going to say out to our listeners, the church is not dying. The church is about to experience, I think, in the next 50 to 100 years, one of the biggest explosions in history, in its history, except it ain't coming from Louisiana. Our past uh, pastor, Dr. Phil Leinberger, uh, he was the president one time of Texas Baptist uh, Convention. He did have an issue with Southern Baptist Convention because he said it succinctly. It's a convention. They don't make rules. <laughs> uh, he was uh, he was deemed very progressive, even among the Texas Baptist Convention, because he had uh, not only women deacons, but the leader of the diaconate was a divorced male, and he'd been divorced twice, and this was in year. 2000 so uh things are going to change as we die off you know 
society itself is going to progress. And that's what I was going to just finalize for that. And with that, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the uh, scripture reading that we have here. And this is from Genesis 48, 1 and 2, uh, 10 through 19, 49, 1 through 2, 8 through 12, 29 through 33. Sometime later, Joseph was told, your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, who are these? They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down to his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim, on his right towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left towards Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head. Though he was the younger, and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my father, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. When Joseph saw his father, placing his right hand on Ephraim's head. He was displeased, and he took hold of his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to him, No, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a people and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. Then Jacob called for his sons and said, gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return the prey, my son. Like a cub, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, 
his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Then he gave them these instructions. I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite, the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mami in Canaan, which Abraham brought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. There Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave in it were bought from the Hittites. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. Steve. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm going to open quickly. I, I think, you know, what's interesting in here, we get kind of a throwback to the uh, blessing from Isaac. Again, the sons are are changed. The father is, it's Jacob now who can't see well. And uh, Joseph is a, the, maybe a good father, and he brings this up, but, J, but Jacob seems to think he knows what he's doing. And then we get, and, and this kind of was the gist of the, the chapter of, with, that, that Bird read about, we get nothing less than a messianic prophecy from Jacob. Now we left, thank you for that long reading. It was a lot longer in the Bible. We just read one portion of the prophecy mm -hmm. he gives to, the to his entire, all his 12 sons. But the Judah one, of course, is really important. So we, we covered that because it is, it is almost, as, almost as worthy of Isaiah or Jeremiah in talking about uh, that the scepter will not depart from Judah, uh, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until to him he belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. So this, uh, I'll, I'll kick it off with this, because Chad Bird loves to look for places where Jesus, or we may call him the son, the incarnate part of God in the Trinity appears in the new test appears in i'm sorry in the old testament and this is this is one such place the 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 messiah is uh is 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 prophesized and you then would say. That, we're gonna go ahead we're gonna go ahead and take our first break this is no church answers we'll be right back hey pastors and church leaders are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. We are in Messy Discipleship. Podcast number 297. Want to go ahead and uh, bring Michael Cropper in on this one. And Mike? Yeah, I, I this is fascinating because you going back to blessing Joseph and blessing his sons, 
you would think the Messiah would come from there, right? Because Joseph is a favorite of Jacob. Uh, and, and, and real quick, I'm going to come back to that. Manasseh and Ephraim are like Esau and Jacob, right? Jacob, and, and by the way, we, we, we ought to understand after all this time that Jacob has been through a lot. He's talked to God many, 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 many times. Uh, God has appeared to him going to Bethel. He has appeared to him uh, while he was in Haran. He has appeared to him when he came back. So it should be no surprise that that Jacob at this time is hearing from the Holy Spirit and hearing from God. But the fact is, is he places his hands on the younger Ephraim, his right hand to give the uh, the the paternal blessing or whatever you call it, grandfather blessing, and he puts his left hand on Manasseh, the older one. And Joseph is bothered by this, and he says, "What's to put his hands over?" And he moves them back, but he doesn't. And Jacob says, "No." He says, "Manasseh is going to be a great nation, but Ephraim is going to be a lot bigger." So shades in memory of Esau and Jacob, right? And then. Um, um, the other thing has to do with the royalty. Steve, you've referenced that so clearly, folks. If you if you, if you get out your Bible and read uh, Genesis 49, 8 through 12, what uh, Steve was talking about, there are some clear references to the line of the tribe of Judah, to the Messiah. He doesn't say Messiah, but he says um, Judah will carry the scepter uh, forever, I think, um, and he will be a lion. And you're thinking, and, and after seeing Joseph, after God blesses Joseph so greatly, makes him a monarch and an extremely well-favored monarch with with Pharaoh, you would think that that the line of the tribe of Jew might come through Joseph. But but God obviously obviously has different plans there. And I think it's fascinating because Chad points this out, right? In the in the book, he points out that that there are two things there. You have the, the family of Joseph, who are just phenomenal, they are blessed of God, and, and you see it all through Joseph's journey up from the, the pit where he was sold into slavery all the way up to Pharaoh's right-hand man, and, and, and you would think that, that God might bring out the, uh, the Messiah through his bloodline. But anyway, it's just a thought, and Chad, brought, Chad Bird brought that up so aptly. Anyway, somebody want to comment on that? Excellent, Professor. Yeah, it, it, it harkens back also to Matthew chapter 1. You know, Matthew 1 verse is 1 through just the first part of verse 3. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. J Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And, and it really is a tie back to where you can see the Messiah coming through. And and I, I'm, I'm struck by Jacob because he, he calls himself, listen to Jacob, your father Israel. And no longer is it just the God of Abraham, the God of my father and my grandfather. Now he's my God. And, and you really see some growth finally, I think. And, and we've kind of talked about Jacob the whole time about this this character that was struggling with his faith and it was always well it's the god of my father abraham and you know if you're there bless me and i'm going to wrestle with you all night long and then i'm going to play the whole family dynamic thing with the brothers and set a brother up and do all of these things 
And then at the end of his life, he's finally slowed down and he's really recognized. He's seen Joseph again and he's moved on into, into Egypt. You know, the Bible thinks he was there 17 years. You know, that, that seems like a short time in the whole lifespan. But if you think about 17 years, okay, so 17 years ago right now, it was 2006, if I'm doing math correctly these days. That was a long time ago, for even for us, if you think about it. There was no MCU in 2006. There, there, no, there you go, Steve. I mean, my kids, my youngest son was in elementary school. My oldest son was in middle school. They're both hitting their 30s now. You know, but but that was a that was a long time that he lived in Egypt. It it's it's one to think about because even for no, since it's another time jump in the story. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, it, and definitely. but you it of course you know it invites you to ask, well, what was what was Jacob slash Israel? What was his mindset then? We we kind of get the idea that the twenty years that he goes with believing Joseph is dead. He was a bitter old man or a bitter middle-aged man. Now we, we kind of get him in retirement. He's, he's made his big move, which we talked about last week. Might, might not have been the thing he, he, despite Joseph being there, he, it was a mixed blessing. You might say, oh, I'm going to have to get up and move. But for 17 years, he's now reunited with his, his, his all his sons there 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 seems to have been a, a peace made among them which is reconfirmed after his death among the brothers but nonetheless this is maybe he's time he's sitting back and looking at everything and his whole life the 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 episodes he's had with as you put it the god who he thought of as the god of his fathers and he's now calling the god his own god and yeah I've got the god and, who at every moment grabbed him and yanked mm, him back mm -hmm. and, and so said, Look it, up, buddy you, you've got a role to play in all this mm -hmm. and you don't just get to walk away and 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 i think that's one of the main lessons here for us is we don't get to walk away from the role god has for us and and if you really think you can just try it I have tried. <laughs> it doesn't always work out so well, <laughs> you know. But, but it, but it, you know, we all have a role to play in God's plan. And and no, do I think He's a puppeteer up there? No, absolutely not. We have free will. But I do think He knows the plans He's made. Well, the Bible's very clear. He knows the plans He has made for us, and we can choose to kind of follow along the plan. And th think about it as. As you get to that fork in the road and you get down the road and it looks wide and inviting on both sides. And then you start going down that road. And, you know, we, we took our camper out over a year ago and where we were supposed to turn, we missed. So my wife frantically searches for an alternate route. And I tell her, OK, I don't want to go over a high railroad crossing trailer bending. And so, so we found one, and we started out, and the road looked wide. By the time we were at the end, end of the road, we were on a, a maybe 12-foot-wide road 
with deep bar ditches on either side, not, not a road I would have chosen to take a trailer down. And I think that's a lesson for us that we have a path God has called us to. And when we don't follow that, we can end up on the wrong road that can be filled with ruts and potholes and wrenches through windshields sometimes <laughs> or other things as we look at it. And we're called to follow that. I think Jacob finally gets the peace, Steve, because he's made peace with what his role in this story was. You know, Bill, he, he, he's the spoke. He figured out where his spoke in the wheel was at that moment. And he okay. knew how to keep they, moving. Take your comment, forward. Robert, about, about, about Jacob learning. And Steve, also your comment about Jacob having to learn the hard way. Uh, we had all to do, Had to do with, uh, <laughs> it was way back when, when he, uh, when he attempted to come back and, and visit Esau and, and do it his way and give him a gift and everything. And before he met Esau, God came down and wrestled with him. And I, I think at that point, he, God was to the point, he says, uh, he says, Jacob, when are you going to trust me? When are you going to listen? He had to slap him around. And that's when he wrestled with him. I honestly think that's how he got his attention because Jacob still wasn't getting it. And then when he finally understood, Jacob finally understood, he held on to God until he blessed him. And, and, and he, uh, he knocked his leg out of joint mm -hmm. or knocked his hip out of joint. Uh, but a second point that Jacob loved Rachel so much, he, she was his pride and joy. Leah was not. But in the end, guess who was buried with the fathers and with Jacob? Leah, right, Leah. Steve? I think you had said that in yes. there. Leah is the one. She is a, the mother of Judah, who you have just talked about being uh, the forerunner or the, or the ascendant. Yes, of, uh, the, the, the family, the family, the, the Messiah. Yes, yes. Leah was buried with Abraham, Isaac, and uh, and now she'll be buried with Jacob in the cave. And mm -hmm. Jacob makes that mention. He says, will you please take me, Joseph, back and bury me in the cave where my parents are and where I buried Leah when she died. So the, the fact that he did not love her, God compensated. He said, you mm -hmm. should have loved her as much as Rachel. And you did not. Oh, so he, he, he uh, and, and Robert, just like you said, he's going to bring you back. He's going he's mm -hmm. gonna to bring you back into his plan, whether you like it or not. Anyway, uh, good comment, Robert. I like that. I, I think this is just uh, reconciling the accounts on your way out the door. And, and I agree with Mike. He may not have planned uh, to end up with Leah, but looking back at things, person reevaluates your life. Rachel was awesome, but Leah's the mother of Judah, and yes. he's gonna he's gonna be awesome. And so, in a, a person evolves uh, their attitude based on their experience of uh, experiences of life. And I think Jacob just as he gets towards the end, this is it, and he gives the blessings as he sees them, as he sees fit. And he's obviously satisfied that what he said is the truth because he pulls the blanket up and his legs up and <laughs> checks out. And you know what? Honestly, it it really looks like he reconciled the books up till the very last date, and I am out. And I gotta respect that. And this is uh 
just kind of looking back at a life that wasn't always the best of life. But in the end, a huge, a, a huge personality in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Well, well and, and it goes to the very end because in Exodus 13, 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, to God will surely come to your aid and you must carry my bones up with you from this place. So he gets carried back to the promised land mm-hmm. at the end of the day. In, um, and actually, I, it's further, that's Joseph. Further, further along, I think he goes to, they, they carry, the brothers carry Jacob. Oh, the, Jacob gets a state funeral. Right. Yeah, um, he really does. They, they. I mean, you, you get. He gets. He, I guess, he and Joseph are the only two real biblical figures who are embalmed, uh, Egyptian style, mummified, uh, and and he's brought. I mean, the night, the 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 seventy days of mourning, uh, a a a a caravan, a a a procession that goes from Egypt all the way up to Canaan. Uh, it is, it is, it was a, certainly a spectacle, a, a true, his greatness was, was acknowledged all, you know, by, by the greatest, by, by, you know, the greatest power in the world at that time. Yeah. Uh, the, the Pharaoh of, of Egypt. I, I think I wanted to go back to kind of what you guys were saying on this though, um, that he's, uh, he's come to terms with, uh, with God's plans for him. I mean, he was the guy he wrestled, as you said, and uh, now he's older. He's had all this time to think about it. His, his hip hurts a little more, I'm sure. Um, and he upends the order. I mean, in, in, we go, we go back to the beginning of, you know, Esau and Jacob, and clearly it's uh, understood in Isaac's household Whoever the older one is, he's the one who gets the blessing. He's the one who gets everything. So Jacob kind of cheats Esau out of that. Uh, in this case, and it doesn't seem like there's so much at stake, but again, Jacob reverses the order on Joseph's sons. And Joseph is is, is one, like, I think the ninth, I guess the 11th of 12th, um, if if we have it right. I'm, um no, and then, first... then the other point, then he upends things further, because again, we, we only touched on the prophecy of Judah, but we've talked about in the previous podcasts, we mentioned uh, the oldest, uh, Reuben, as you pointed out last week, uh, decided to sleep with his father's concubine. And he got a sandwich named after him. Yes, and that's what you know. Yeah, <laughs> he got. So that's right. all he got. Okay, that's all he got. That's in the prophecy, you know, uh, pastrami and sauerkraut. Uh, but yeah, so Reuben, the oldest, is disqualified for that, and Jacob makes a point of saying that. And then, of course, we covered the the massacre at Sechem, and that was led by Simeon and Levi. And that disqualifies them. And that leaves number four, uh, Judah. And but but I have I have this feeling, and I know we got to go to break that that in that 17 years, Jacob has come to at least get some bit of insight. You know, not only that is a spoke in a wheel, but there's a big plan going on here. And mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I'm part of it. And I 
have enough insight and enough divine uh, connection at this point in his life, really right at the end, to make this very dramatic prophecy that out of my line, out of my sons, is going to be one, you know, the great fruition of whatever our God is planning. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. We are finishing up with the study on messy discipleship. It is a book by Chad Burke. Excellent book. And when I think about the ending of Jacob and the spoke in the wheel, and we don't know where each spoke is, but by the time you're an old guy, you probably got a pretty good idea of where yours is going to end and where the rest are going to pick up. And Jacob probably had to feel pretty good about it since he had seen what the Egyptians were about. He saw who was the ruling class. He saw how they took care of the Israelites, but he also saw how his offspring were sprouting up the new communities in the area and thinking, yeah, baby, <laughs> this is going to be <laughs> Jacob's land. <laughs> and, and so absolutely, by the time you're looking at the end of the, your life and you're reconcile, reconciling the books, okay, yeah, a fair amount of bad stuff has happened. But man, when I look across the land and I see the numbers of my offspring, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And I really think that's the way Jacob went out. The nation of Israel is not the nation of Abraham. It is the nation of Israel. Yes. The 12 sons, they become the one who... who is charged with bringing God's word to the world. That was really the charge. The charge of the Israelites was not to go in, conquer land, set up an insular, by the way, Southern Baptist. You might want to listen to this part. <laughs> it was not to go set up a small insular little group where you worship God and nobody knew anything about it. And, and we kept everybody out. If you disagreed with us, we kicked you out and executed you and did all that. They were, they were told to do that at first, to go in and wipe out the land, but that was to keep themselves pure. But then after that, there were specific rules about how 
Gentiles, anybody who wasn't an Israelite, could become Jewish. And matter of fact, if you look at David's mighty men, remember we did a study on them a very long time ago, most of them weren't Jewish. They were people who chose to follow Yahweh Elohim, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and follow him and worship him. And throughout history, there have been people who chose to follow him. Israel decided to become sequestered and believe God was their exclusive providence. And that's really, this is the family who God chose to use to bless the world. And in the end, gave us the Messiah to do it with. Excellent. Uh, and with that, we're going to go around the room and uh, give our comments uh, on this particular book itself. I'll go ahead and I, I think it's outstanding. Uh, Chad goes far deeper uh, than anything um, that I could write. The, the thing about it is, though, how he his speculation on the dual meaning of the Old Testament and New Testament. I don't know if I necessarily go along with all of it. Uh, I certainly understand it. And, you know, how uh, how some authors, you know, try to connect the two. Uh, and some of it, I think it's, you know, it's kind of a reach. But but I thought uh, I, I thought it was an excellent study. So, Mr. Steve Titch. I really liked it. Again, I, I, I can relate to Jacob as the, the man who wrestled with God uh, all night, which is pretty impressive, but uh, I, I doubt I'd last much more than a few minutes. Nonetheless, both, both you know, literally, <laughs> literally and symbolically, uh, the idea that, that I think we all wrestle with God, men especially, we we re our our nature is to want to control our nature nature is to be number one our nature is to have be, you know be the person with all the answers to be the one who you know the leader uh and uh you you, know, you can be that all that some of the time you, you um but you got to realize that you're not really in charge and a lot of the things you worry about don't amount to much uh, really, at the end of the day, Esau, whatever Esau was going to get from his birthright, Jacob didn't end up with it. He, he ended up with his own fortune. He ended up in Egypt. He didn't even end up with, with Esau's land or anything like that. It was it was probably thought something that was really, really important when it, at the time, and it really wasn't. And likewise, uh, who knows I mean, Rachel was probably his great prize from from his days at Laban. Again, maybe another thing he realized was important was his family, especially Joseph, and maybe really did not appreciate that until it was lost. I again, I, I that's purely speculative, but something you can think about. Um, he didn't he didn't end his life regretting. Not, you know, not being in Canaan. Uh, I think he he was sad. I, I think he treasured his days with Rachel. He treasured his days with Joseph and was happy to get them back. But I think also at the end of the day, at the end of his life, he also began to realize what was important. And as we see, it was a lot of it was his relationship with God, which he kind of 
over the course of his life had an on and off thing with. You know, I, I think he's a lot like the average man, especially even the average Christian man. Uh, he's limping along. We're not, you know, we go back to the beginning of the book. We all like to say, well, we walk with God or we, uh, we, we, we carry on with God. And no, I think Chad is right. We really, what we really do is limp, limp with God. Excellent. Uh, professor, your uh, wrap up of the book. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like you guys, you know, I, I've read a lot of books in my time and I would really recommend this book to anybody. Matter of fact, I, I, I'm kind of probably going to pick up a couple of the other books because I like his style quite a bit. And I like the fact that he, he started life as an oil transport driver before he became a theologian. So, you know, I'm, Man, I'm in the energy heart. industry. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I, you know, I can I, I can relate. Um, he, he was a, he's a, he was a guy's guy before he decided to go do this is kind of what it boils down to. And, you know, it, it, and Steve, I think you succinctly put it. You know, we don't walk, we limp. We kind of limp along. God picks us up, you know, the old footprints poem, where there's one set of footprints in the sand. And it's God saying, you know, that's when I was carrying you. We limp along and get carried through our life. And like Jacob, a lot of times we make very, I'm just going to say, interesting decisions in our lives. And I think the thing, the biggest lesson for this is God does not leave us when we make those interesting decisions. He stays with us and he carries us and he allows us to keep limping along with him as we go through. Can I wrap it up, Bill? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Mike. Okay, real quick. The, uh, the author asks us, he says, um, in one of his questions, he says, what would you write? In fact, one of the paragraphs, he says, how would you describe a verse or how would you write out a verse that describes what Jacob did by faith? Because he, like Steve said, he refers to the 11th chapter, the, the uh, faith chapter in Hebrews. So I wrote a couple of things down that I think they should have penned. I, the author should have penned that Jacob did by faith. By faith, he conned Esau out of his birthright. By faith, he fled to Haran, looking for greener pastures and her wife. And God appeared to him at Bethel. So that's where he first tries to stop him and get his attention. By faith, he worked for Laban seven years to get Rachel. By faith, he worked seven more years to get Rachel. By faith, he worked six more years to acquire the spotted sheep and the goats. And this is where God really spoke to him and started blessing him. And by faith, he fled from Laban to return home to face Esau. And by faith, God appeared and Jacob wrestled with God till daybreak to acquire the name Israel, which we've mentioned. And by faith, he met Esau and gave him gifts to appease his anger. By faith, he moved to Shechem and God called him back to Bethel. And by faith, he made a coat of many colors for Jacob to antagonize his brothers, and it worked. And by faith, he mourned and gave, gave up on Joseph. And by faith, he moved to Egypt when he learned about Joseph to live with him. And by faith, God appeared to him on the way to Egypt. And finally, by faith, Jacob prophesied, which is what this whole podcast is about. By faith, Jacob prophesied to his sons while he was on his deathbed and gave the prophecies that you guys have been talking about concerning the Messiah. But the, practically speaking, he says some very humorous and good things. One thing he touches on, he says, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think of my death 
I think of it. And we've done several podcasts on death now. And that reminds me, he says, number your days. And then he says, and when you do that, consider doing these things. He says, make breakfast for your children. Bring a cup of coffee to your sleepy spouse. When you go to work, yes, speak and encourage people who are at work, stressed coworkers. Uh, give a word of forgiveness to someone who hurt you and encourage them. Little things like that. The author was just great uh, in, in giving things that, that are practical. So anyway, folks, uh, I'll leave it at that. I'll go back to you, Bill. I guess that's what? Four thumbs up for, for the yep. bird book? <laughs> Excellent. Um, you know, hey, it's uh, the end of June. It's summertime. And that means... We fellas of Man Up in the No Church Answers podcast are going to take a break while preparing for our 300th podcast coming in September. But just so you don't miss us too much, we'll have some special podcasts. Our producer, for one, is planning to be busy uh, while we're out camping and smoking brisket and uh, ribs. Steve? Yeah, I am uh, going to Kenya with our church on a mission we've got a sister church in nairobi uh and um well i i'm just excited about going because I, as i said earlier in the podcast i think this is where the church is really growing in this these parts of the world and uh being a former journalist i i want to go out and go down and check it out and and i hope to bring back some reporting on that for us. I'll also, we'll also uh, be doing some, uh, some interviews and some special podcasts. I know I uh, will be talking about an NT Wright seminar or a deep dive that I did a few weeks ago. Uh, Robert will be interviewing me about that. And I know we've got some other topics about men. We'll, we'll space out the time so you don't miss us. <laughs> you know, we're looking forward to that. We hope you, our listeners, are too. Um, about this time, I wrap up the podcast and uh, with thanks and a word of encouragement to attend a Bible-based church and start a men's Bible study group, just like we do here. But since we are finishing our journey through Chad Bird's Limping with God, you know, I thought it would fitting we end with the prayer that Chad writes at the conclusion of the book. You know, the inspiration for his prayer is Psalms. 9012, which asks God to teach us to number our days. We're going to read portions of it, but if you can find it all in Limping with God, Jacob and the Old Testament Guide to Messy Discipleship by Chad Bird, I couldn't recommend it more heartily. Teach us to number our days, O Lord, that we rise to each eat meet each day, we might do so in your name. To begin the day in this way is to remind ourselves that whatever the day may bring, however hot and fiery a trial we will face, that heat will not evaporate the water of baptism by which we have been clothed with Christ. Teach us to number our days, Jesus, that we might remember that this is the day the Lord has made so we might rejoice and be glad in it. This is a day to rejoice because it is another day to follow Jesus wherever he might lead us. And Lord, teach us to number our days 
as well as our nights, when our week is done and the sun is setting, for the darkness is not dark to you, O Lord. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light to you. Father, teach us to number our days as we joyfully reflect the fact that because of Jesus, you are not numbering, not counting our trespasses against us. To be a disciple of Jesus is to live completely and perfectly covered by divine love, even as in ourselves, we completely and imperfectly follow him. We limp, we stumble, we fall. And we confess, repent, and pray. As we do, the Lord's hand is never withdrawn from our own, nor is his heart ever, even for a moment, turned from us. Lord, teach us to number our days as days live solely by your mercy. At the foot of the cross, an empty tomb, overshadowed by your love. Lord, create in us such a heart of wisdom that running or walking or limping or crawling or lying on our deathbed, we might, along with Jacob, be your disciples, chosen, beloved, and precious in your sight. Amen. This is No Church Answers. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content. 